0: Well, good morning. This, this morning we're going to pick back up in chapter chapter one of Second Peter. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I put on here First Peter. This should be Second Peter. <laughs> anyway, uh, somebody missed that. Anyway, me. <laughs> Any, anyhow, anyhow, we're in we're in Second Peter, and it's uh, it's chapter one verses uh, verses uh, twelve to fifteen. That part of it's correct. Anyway, uh, this morning. Peter is uh, going to uh, kind of reiterate, well, not so much reiterate what he has said, but just call to mind. Uh, he's going to say to them, this is a reminder. He, begins, he, he wants them to be firmly aware of the teachings and 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 throughout scripture there's these constant reminders we'll we'll talk about that a little bit as we get going this morning but there's these calls to remember to remember to remember to be reminded i do this in remembrance of or i do this to remind you uh and and we'll look at that as we as we move along through that and that's what peter is going to do here it's kind of a in a sense, a little bit of a break between his teaching on salvation and the security of our, and our sanctification and our security of salvation, which he's talked about in the first part of chapter one. And then he's going to go into the security of the word in the final verses of chapter one. And then chapter two, he moves into being secure in our faith as a result of being secure in our faith, uh, knowing who we are in our faith, knowing where that faith is based in the sure, true Word of God. He's then going to go into the danger of false prophets. And he's going to start talking about false teachers and false prophets. And that's what chapter 2 is about. And then when he finishes chapter 2, he goes to the end times. And he goes, here's where the world is going. Be aware of it. That's, that's, how, this, that's how this book is going to flow. So this morning, he's, he's taking a, a moment to call them to remind, he's calling them to remember. It's, a, it's a, by way of reminder, is what he's going to do in, in, these, uh, in these few verses this morning, as, uh, as we look at them, as we look at them this morning. So before we get into them uh, too deeply, uh, uh, are there any prayer requests this morning? No? Well, I'm glad everything's good with you all. <laughs> at any rate... Uh, at any rate, uh, Don, would you open us this morning? Heavenly Father, this morning is reminded that uh, we have to have virtuous things in our lives, self-controlled, and steadfast, godly uh, and brotherly affectionate. We're endless of these things. I pray this morning, Lord, we would not just be challenged, but that we would be changed. Yeah. And I pray that you would... Give Holy Spirit's power to all those that are teaching kids this morning, and, and Steve, uh, this morning as we look at uh, your word in Second Peter, Lord, may it change and move our hearts, and we be different because of your word, not head knowledge, Lord, but may we actually be different our in our thinking. We pray these things in your name, Amen. Amen. So he begins in in verse twelve by saying, "Therefore, our I." W- I w- I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been strengthened in the truth which is present within you. I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir up... to stir up... Stir you up by way of reminder; uh, hence, where I got the title. By way of reminder, so we're going to look at those two verses first, and and he's he's going to he's calling them here to remember the truth. And he begins by saying, "Therefore, based on what I've already said in the first in the first eleven verses, based upon the fact uh, that you have you have come to salvation. Keep in mind that through this text, he's writing to he's writing to believers, to maturing believers, uh, and and he's and he's encouraging him. In that in that maturity, and he's and he's and he's and he's he's already talked about the fact of of this great salvation, the, which has been the same faith as the apostles, is what he is saying. Ultimately, in verse one, he says that uh, by the righteousness of God, that's how that came. That that's where this this faith came from. He says it produces grace and peace that would be multiplied to us as we have the epigenosis, the full knowledge. Of Jesus Christ, uh, that's that's uh, that's all part of uh, verses one and two, and then he goes on to say saying that he's he's divi- he's granted to us everything pertaining to life, and in this he means eternal life. Uh, that's that's the idea here that what he's given to us uh, in all godliness, and once again through the full knowledge of Him who called us. Remembering it was God who initiated salvation. It was God who moved in our hearts to come to Him. It was not us who who who, who sought Him out. And He says He says in the, in the in the in the who called us by His own glory and excellence. Uh, it's once a praise again to the omnipotent God. And then he goes on and he says, who's granted to us uh, these precious and magnificent promises and made us partakers of the divine nature. Uh, these, these are the things he's wanting them to remember. That's your salvation. That's a picture of salvation that Peter paints here. And then he goes on from there in verses 5 and following, and he talks about the assurance of that salvation. And, and in verse 5, he, he says, for he tells us that, uh, that we're to apply all diligence in our faith. Uh, supplying moral excellence. In other words, growing in the grace of Jesus Christ. And he's going to list how that, how that happens, uh, when he gives this, add to this, add to this, add to that. As he goes through there, uh, add to the, to, to self-control and per- perseverance and moral excellence and, and, and all, all of these things, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly, uh, uh, brotherly love as well. And he says, these things are yours they're part of the gift of God through grace that these things are happening within you that's he points to that and and he and he says and he and he goes on to say <clears throat> that you're not going to be unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and and he says and then he goes on to saying the fact of how one uh, may not be so. Uh, uh, one may not become blinded or nearsighted to the truth of the gospel, and 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 languish in in it. But he's still talking to believers here. He's not talking about them losing their salvation by any sense. He's basically saying, "This is where you are." And he says, and he goes, and he because he already said, uh, he's already said that. And then he goes on and he says, therefore, brothers, be more diligent. Make sure of your calling. Uh, Don't become lethargic. Good morning. morning, Don't become lethargic in your faith is the idea that he's he's expressing here. And then he goes on to say, he goes on to say that that by this you have entrance into the eternal kingdom uh, uh, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who will abundantly supply it. He's saying, that's what he's calling them. That's what the therefore calls them back to. Verses 1 through 11. To their salvation, and to their sanctification, and to the security that is theirs in all of that. And he says, therefore, therefore I will always be ready to remind you of these things. Uh, If you notice in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, he's going to once again say that. This is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandments of our Lord and Savior spoken by the apostles. That's the, the, this is going to come right after he's given the whole uh, uh, idea of false prophets. Here's where you stay. You stay in the teaching of scripture. And he's saying here, I'm calling you to remember these things. Peter sees the constant need to remind them, uh, to keep these in the forefront of your mind. It's put in a future tense. He says, I will. In other words, I'm not going to stop. As long as I have breath, I'm going to be doing these things, is the idea Peter is saying here. Uh, Peter is writing uh, this to be a constant reminder that even after he's gone, you're still going to have these words. Uh, They're still available. We're reading them today. and, and he, says, he says it's a constant reminder of the truth of God and that's true of all scripture that's the idea here that we have the written revelation of Jesus Christ so that we can review it we can study it, we can know it uh, that, that it doesn't, it's not something we have to just, just solely attach to memory we have it to refer to it's always there. Now that, that's that's the idea that it's being here. It's a constant reminder of the truth of God, and it's and it's all based upon on Scripture and its teaching and its preaching. Those are the those are the things that He's wanting them to understand here. Now, there's an interesting thing. Just kind of uh, come along this idea of reminder. Um, researchers tell us, I don't, I guess. They know what they're doing. But anyway, researchers tell us that a spoken message, that the average hearer who hears a spoken message forgets 90% of what he heard in one hour. That's why we like you to take notes, by the way. <laughs> it helps you remember. Uh, but nevertheless, nevertheless, that's what research says. It says, one hour, you've forgotten 90% of what has been said. That's the that, the average person. Some of you may be better. Some of you may be like me. You're worse. But anyway, uh, but anyway, uh, that's the idea here. I remember in the early days of basic training in the military, the military had this way of reminding you of things. They drove it into you constantly. I was in basic training 54 years ago. I still remember this. I remember more than this, but this one thing that they constantly taught us, of course, this was the era of Vietnam and most of the guys I served with, that's where they were going. Somehow, by God's grace, I went to Germany, but nevertheless, nevertheless, that was, that was the day. And, and basically what it was, was the four life-saving steps. That's what they drilled into our heads. And you know what? I still remember it. I still remember it. It was, you know, it was, Clear the airway or start the breathing. Stop the bleeding. Protect the wound and treat for shock. Boom. And you had to repeat that. I mean, they just drilled that into you. And you remember it. That's what Peter is saying here. I want to drill this into your brain so that it becomes muscle memory. You just go to it instantly. That's where you go. You don't even have to stop and think. This is where you go. In sports, coaches... Excuse me, I'm having a lot of sinus issues this week. Uh, but in sports, coaches often, certainly at the begin of a, beginning of a season, review the basics of the game. They review and they review and they review to make execution excellence. That's the idea. Uh, that's the idea behind it. I, I found this uh, this interesting quote from john wooden and 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 if you don't know who john wooden was he was the coach of ucla basketball and in 12 seasons he won 10 national championships he was called the wizard of westwood and uh, was considered one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time he had a winning record of 80 percent that means eight out of ten times if his team went on the went on the field they won that's, that's that's who John Wooden was in basketball, and he said he had he had uh, he had <clears throat> eight laws of learning. They were example, demonstration, imitation, repetition, 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 repetition. Those were his eight laws. That's what Scripture does. That's why we have Scripture. It's repetition that we know it we study it we go deeper and deeper into it that's the exciting thing every time you study it you should find something new And, and you will i think i do at any rate, Scripture did the same thing, has done the same thing all through Scripture we see this. Israel was reminded constantly. They were reminded in Deuteronomy 6.4 that parents, the father was told the household that the word of God was to be taught day and night, standing, sitting, eating, walking. In fact, they were even to put it on their hand and on their forehead as a constant reminder. It was a constant reminder. The Passover, the Exodus, the crossing over the Red Sea, all of these things are repeated throughout Scripture as a reminder of God's faithfulness and what He had done and calling them to, to calling them and us uh, to have a full trust in the Word of In the word of God, in Joshua chapter 4, when God stopped up the waters of the Jordan so that they could cross to take Jericho, they were to pile rocks in the middle of the what was river, now dry riverbed, and they were as a reminder to generations of what God had done in that crossing. In the New Testament, in the New Testament, we have the Lord's table, that's to call us a constant reminder. Jesus said remember. That word there in remember in the Greek means to call to mind as if it just happened. That's the idea behind it. It's a constant reminder of the grace God has shown toward us. Even the even when we have baptismal services, they should call you to remember how God saved you. I mean they do for me. I would think they do for all of us. Those important events, they're reminders. Jesus told his disciples to remember the words that I have said to you, John 15, 20. And he goes on and he goes, even though you already know them. Here once again, he's, he's making a note here. He's, he's talking to believers, believers that are maturing, believers that have studied scripture, believers who know something about God. He's saying, even though you know them, you need to be reminded. There needs to be this constant remembering. <clears throat> And it may not be new in the sense that you haven't heard it before uh, but it's to be constant. It's to become a part of you. It's to become intrinsic in your very being is the idea that he that he's expressing here. Even though you already know it, having been strengthened in the truth the, the NASB and the, uh, the LVS, they, they say strengthen uh, the King, King James says established. the word means both things it means to firmly establish or, to, or, <clears throat> or to, to bring us to a settled condition because it's in a passive mode. It means that this is where you are. That you're firmly established. You're firmly strengthened. It is from the word of God that you get your spiritual strength is the idea uh, that Peter is expressing here and, he, and he's calling them to. It's a settled condition. That's where you live. This is where you are and he says he he, he goes on and he says strengthen in the truth which is present with you Um, he's talking about an established gospel that it's evident in their faithfulness that they are absolutely maturing Uh, and 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 chapter 2 is going to go on to the that you're going to be able to to stand facing these false prophets that he's going to talk about He's, he's reminding them he's setting the basis of their salvation and their faith and he's going to go to the word of God right after this to, to show them that this is the reality but then this is, this is going to happen as, as predicted you can stand you can withstand it you can stand the onslaught is the idea he wants them to understand he, he, he's saying to them uh, the gospel is evident in the faithfulness that they are maturing believers Colossians chapter 1 <clears throat> verses 5 and 6 Because of the hope that it, well, let's see, since we've heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and the love which you have for all the saints, verse four, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as, just as in all the world. So it is constantly bearing fruit and multiplying just as it has been doing. in you also, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, this is the idea here from the day you had it it should be building up in you that's what that's what he is that's what he is that's what he's wanting them to wanting them to do that's what he's wanting them to understand that's what he's wanting them to understand once again that scripture truth should become muscle memory to you spiritual muscle memory that's the idea here it should be the first place you go it should be automatic that's 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 the idea first peter 1 5, uh first peter 5 Five ten, he wrote. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to eternal glory, He Himself will restore, strengthen, confirm, and ground you. That's 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 what he's that's what he's calling them to, uh, to be grounded in the truth, to be grounded in the truth. And then in verse thirteen, he goes on, <clears throat> and he says, "I consider it right, as long as I am in this worth, earthly dwelling, to stir up." By, uh, to stir up, I don't know why I keep leaving out the you, but to stir you up by way of reminder. 1 <coughs> Peter 5, 2, he, he told the, the shepherds that he was writing to, the elders of which he called himself, one he says, shepherd the flock of God among you, overseeing not under under compulsion, but willingly, according to God, and not for dishonest gain, but with eagerness... And here here he is he is showing that shepherding. The shepherds are to the the shepherds took their flocks in the field, they found pasture for them to eat, they protected them, they led them, they led them to the fields, they brought them to good food, and they protected them. That's ultimately why that word is used. That's what the role of the elders in the church are. They're to make sure you are properly fed the right food, you're protected. In, in teaching the word of God, and they, they are to lead. Those are those are the things that that are to be seen here, and and and. Peter is saying here, it's with the scriptures that that is done. And, <clears throat> and Paul told the Ephesian elders in chapter 20 of the book of Acts that, that they were taught the whole counsel of God. That means all 66 books, all 31,102 passages, all uh, 70, 782,815 words, if you had an NASB. If you have a King James, if you have a King James, it's 783,137 words. There's more these than (laughs) thous. Oh, and incidentally, I'll throw this in just as a bonus. The middle passage of the Bible is Psalms 103, verses 1 and 2. But anyway, that's just a, that's just a bonus. It has nothing to do with this passage, but nevertheless. But nevertheless, that's the point here. Uh, that's, our, that's our teaching platform. Uh, that's what we are to know. That's what's to become intrinsic in us. Uh, that's what is, to, to, he is He is calling us to understand. And he says, I consider it right. And this literally is righteous. Um, The faithful shepherd is not just uh, uh, helpful in strengthening, but it is righteous for him to do that. Those are righteous acts. That's what that's what Peter is saying here. These are this is righteous to do this to stir up by way of reminder. And he says, he, says, he says, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, <clears throat> Peter here is saying, the earthly dwelling uh, literally is translated the word tent. And a tent is a temporary structure. And that's what Peter is referring to here. Uh, this earthly body, which he now inhabits, this corrupted fallen body, which has been saved by grace, is just a tent. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a temporary dwelling. It's not a permanent home. And what Peter is saying is, as long as I'm alive physically in this fallen body, this tent, I'm going to do this. This, this is my call. This is what I do. Uh, he, he, uh, he, uh, it's a picture that pictures the, the Middle Eastern nomads, uh, who just traveled from here to there. I, I remember when we were, when we, uh, Back in 79, when Kathy and I went to to Israel, uh, in those days, if you wanted to go to Egypt, you had to fly into Jordan because there was no peace treaty between Israel and Egypt. And so if you want to go to Egypt, you flew into Jordan and you went to Egypt and then you crossed the bridge into Israel, which the Jordanians considered still theirs, even though they couldn't walk across the bridge. Uh, and uh, uh, and your, your uh, visa was for the whole time in Jordan or Egypt. But then you had another separate visa for Israel, and the Israelis didn't stamp your passport, because if you did, you weren't going to get home. So <laughs> that was kind of the way it was, uh, you know. Uh, but I, I just remember as we were traveling across the desert to get to the bridge that crossed the river to take us into Israel, um, uh, we crossed uh, the King Hussein Highway. Everything was a King Hussein something or another. Uh, but at any rate, as we crossed that highway, we ran across all these Bedouins and camels and all this stuff, and that's where they lived. They lived in tents. King Hussein had tried to. Uh, had tried to modernize them and built them really nice-looking homes. Incidentally, your U.S. taxpayer dollars paid for it. Uh, but in ne- <laughs> foreign aid. Uh, but nevertheless, the bad ones wouldn't live in the houses. The goats did. They were in their tents. They wouldn't change. They were in tents. They were temporary structures. They weren't permanent. And that's what Peter is saying here. This is not our permanent home. But while we are in this tent we will be about the Word of God. That's what we're going to be about. That's what he's saying. He says, as long as I am in this world, I will faithfully stir you up by way of a reminder. That's what he's going to do. It's, that's his job as an apostle and as a teacher, as an elder in the Church of Jesus Christ. It is to stir you up. This means to arouse completely, to thoroughly awaken. There's to be no lethargy is the idea here. No drowsiness, no sleeping. It's, it's it, That doesn't mean you can't get a good night's sleep. It simply means that, that you are to be diligent, that you're being absorbed in the Word of God is the, is the idea. You're to be completely aroused, thoroughly awakened is the idea. Uh, Peter wants his learners to be alert and fully aware of their duties. Proverbs 13:4 says, "The soul of the slaggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is enriched." And that's the idea here. Uh, the the hungry student of the word of God will be enriched. That's that's the idea he's want to say. He says, by way of reminder, the shepherd's constantly job is to constantly teach and review Scripture, its themes, its doctrines, its commands, the whole counsel of God. No matter where we are in our spiritual maturity, we need to be reminded of the truth. Just as we need physical uh, nutrition daily, we need spiritual nutrition. Ephesians chapter 4 I know this is familiar, but by way of reminder, (laughs) verses, uh, verses 11 through 16... For he himself gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith in the full knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure and stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ so that we no longer be children tossed Tossed here and there by waves and, car- uh, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickiness of men and the craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body, being jointed and held together, by what every joint supplies according to the the proper measured working of each individual part causing the growth of body for the building up of itself in love that's the idea uh, that's that's the role that's what peter is trying to accomplish in this in this that's what he's saying to them and then he he moves on to a little bit this a little bit different idea uh, it's it's still to remember and still read keep the idea of remembrance here he says but he goes on in verse 14 and 15 and he talks about remembering that life is brief uh, this time on this planet is brief that's that's what he's that's what he's going to go to now he says knowing that the laying aside of our earthly dwelling is imminent is also our lord Jesus Christ has indicated to me and i will also be I will, and I will also be diligent that at, at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. Uh, Peter uh, recognizes the fact that life is brief. He recognizes the fact that his life is growing briefer, and he, and he said, and he's, and he's motivated by the urgency to stir these readers uh, he knows that life is brief James 4:13 and 17 uh, in that in that text James tells us life is but a vapor uh, that that's the idea here in 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 comparison to eternity uh, life is just a whisper that's that's the idea John Calvin wrote we are also taught by the example of Peter that that the <clears throat> shorter term of life reminds us the more diligent ought we be in the, uh, in the exercising of our office. That, that's, that's what he says Peter is showing here. That he's showing that he has to be diligent because life is short. He says, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent. Peter saw his death as coming soon. He, he calls it the laying aside. Peter uses the same image that Paul used in Second Corinthians 5, 1 and 2, where Paul wrote... Whoops, wrong wrong book. Second Corinthians 5, 1 and 2, For we know that if this earthly tent, which is our home, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed it is this... Uh, we, uh, it, it, for indeed, in this we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. That's what that's what Peter is saying here. He's longing for that, but he knows his time is, is short, and therefore there's an urgency in his teaching. That's that's what he's that's what he's wanting to say here. He says this idea is rooted in calling this tent as a reminder back to Abraham, who lived in tents, never owning the land promised to him living in it, but never owning it, and living in tents and moving about. Hebrews 11.9, uh, that's the idea here. He says it is imminent. Uh, that's what he's saying. He says it's it's an imminent that is coming soon. Uh, this word can mean one of two things. It can mean soon or swift, and it can mean both at the same time. It can mean it could be... So the, in, in, in reality here, it's hard to determine if he meant one or the other or both, and it's probably actually, that it's coming soon and it will be swift. That's really what he's saying here. Uh, that's the idea of imminent. It can be any moment. that's 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 the that's the point. And he saw his death as coming soon and he and he and he saw that it would be swift. He knows that because Jesus told him so. Uh, John chapter 21 verses eighteen and 19. Jesus speaking to Jesus is after, after, after the resurrection uh, when they meet on the seashore uh, when Jesus restores Peter uh, and he says here he says truly truly I say to you when you were younger you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wish but when you grow old you will be stretched out <clears throat> you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and, and bring you to where you do not wish to go Now this, he said, signifying what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. And of course, we know know from history that Peter was uh, somewhere shortly before June of 68 AD, when Nero committed suicide, that somewhere shortly before that, uh, Peter was crucified and uh, crucified just outside of Rome. Not being a Roman citizen, he wasn't killed in Rome. He was killed outside, but he was crucified. 65, 68. Did I say 65? I meant 68. Okay, yeah, 68. June of 68. Actually, it was June 9th. If you want to know the exact date, I wrote it down. I didn't remember. <laughs> June 9th of of sixty eight A D. So not somewhere around, but we have a very yeah yeah yeah. That's interesting. Isn't that church uh, tradition? No, that's that's Roman history. Wow. Okay. Church tradition is he was crucified upside down. Eusebius writes that. Okay, thank you. We have a very similar passage from uh, from from Paul. Uh, this is, in a sense, Peter's farewell. Uh, Peter, is, uh, uh, Peter is indicating his time is growing short. And he sees a real urgency in the need to do all he can do to strengthen the Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul had the same idea when he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verses 6-8, through 8, when, he, when he said that he was ready to be poured out as a drink offering. Uh, that was the idea here you, you understand the drink offering It's an interesting concept when the sacrifice was on the fire being burned, they poured the wine out over it and of course it released the savor of the wine and it drifted up and basically basically the drink offering was solely given to God nobody shared in that it it was vaporized in, in the fire uh, Paul is in a sense saying that his life was a refreshing fragrance in God's nostril, is ultimately what he's saying in that. That's something powerful to say about your life. But he knew his time was coming. Peter here is saying, it's about time for him to fold his tent. That's, that's the idea. That's the idea. It's imminent. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. He says, I'm about to leave this temporary life. I'm about, I'm about, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm about to go into that reward that he spoke about in the earlier verses where he said, go into the kingdom of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter saw that was coming. That was, that was the next step for him, if you will. And then he goes on and he says, in verse 15, we're going to get done really early today, I'm afraid. But anyway, he's going to, he says uh, in verse 15, he says I will also be diligent and I will also be diligent that at the time of my departure you will be able to call these things to mind. He says I will also be able at the time of my departure. Departure is an interesting word. The word is exodus. It's the same word that the Septuagint uses for exodus. Uh, it, it, it talks about the Captivity in Egypt, and God were taking them away from it, and 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 Peter is using this in a sense that this life has us held captive, and he's about to be released from that into the freedom of heaven is the is the idea that he's that he's talking about. He's saying I'm I'm like like the Israelites left Egypt and went to the promised land. I'm about to leave the captivity of this life to the promised land of heaven. That's 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 the idea that he's he's saying here. Uh, Exodus is he's using as a metaphor for his death, the uh, the end of this life, the translation to the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse ten. That's what he's expressing here. He's saying he's saying because of that, I'll be all the more diligent. I'll be all the more diligent. I want to be all the more diligent to be able to, 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 to to remind you constantly of the truth. He says, I, and he says, even after my death, I want to be able to do that because he says, I want you to be able to call these things to mind after my departure. That's what he's saying. Uh, That you can, you can refer to these time and time again. Which is what we're doing right now. We're looking back to what Peter had to say two thousand years ago, and and here he has he has written them down for us. Uh, so Peter has has gone through this lengthy. Well, it's not that lengthy. It's pretty brief, actually. <laughs> he's he's gone through this brief, <laughs> if you will. It's only fifteen verses to hear. But he's gone through this brief summary of of our salvation, and all that is involved in that, and then he's talked about the fact of the process of our sanctification how it brings us more and more to godliness as, he, as, he, as, as these virtues are established in our life those are not works that earn salvation, those are results of the fact that the Holy Spirit is working within you that's, that's sanctification uh, that's what he's talking about, and then he says ultimately that that's a secure thing Because it's in the hands of eternal God, not in your hands. It was in his hands because he's the one who called you or elected you before the foundations of the earth. Those are the things he's wanted them to understand. And he says, and and now it is important that we keep these constantly in our forefront, in the forefront of our mind, that this be the place we go in life. When whatever we're facing in life, we should be driven to Scripture. We should be driven to God, to understanding what He had to say about it. That—that's the idea that, that Peter's wanting to express here. That's what—that's what this spiritual muscle memory is. Is that whatever we face, we turn to God. That's where we run. And he's, he's saying. He's saying. He's saying and as as a as a result of that knowing that my life is growing short I want to all the more impress it upon you and I want it to be available for you to to know and to understand. He says I want you to be able to to come back to it after my departure you will be able to recall these to mind. He's not asking you to memorize all this. He wrote it down. You know, he wrote it down in two books, maybe three. But he wrote it down in these two books, First and Second Peter. He probably, and most likely is, and we'll talk about this for just a minute because we have time. Uh, most church historians, dating back to the first century AD, one of the one of the uh, one of the disciples of John, uh, who uh, who was who probably wrote in about about the time John was on Patmos. Uh, which would be uh, Pappas he, he wrote that uh, he was the bur- uh, bishop of Hiopolis in Asia Minor he wrote that Peter became or Mark became Peter's interpreter and wrote accurately in other words he is saying that the gospel of Mark was really <coughs> dictated through the Holy Spirit of course by Peter and that Mark was his secretary and he wrote it down Irenaeus uh, also agreed. He said, "Handed down to us in writing are the things which were preached by Peter." Now, those don't necessarily fully fully guarantee it, but it's pretty well been accepted in church history that Peter was the strong influence, if not the author, of the Gospel of Mark, uh, which makes it uh, makes it uh, uh, even more. Well, it doesn't make it more authoritative, it's fully authoritative. It just makes it more, uh, the background becomes more clear. And the interesting thing is, in more recent time, uh, in the discovery of Qumran Cave No. 7, I looked all this stuff up, so you got to listen to it. <laughs> uh, at any rate, uh, in Qumran Cave No. 7, there's a number, if you don't know the exploration of Qumran, there's caves all over the place, and in some of them they found junk, and in some of them they found Commentaries, and in some of them, they found actual trans—they found actual um, Torah scrolls, uh, pieces of them. Anyway, uh, the most prominent one is uh, is Isaiah, which is on display at the at the Shrine of the Book in Jerusalem. Uh, it's very heavily guarded, and I guarantee you, don't take a camera in there. <laughs> some. Big Israeli will get on you about it. Uh, they don't let you take pictures, and it's under special glass and special lighting and all this kind of stuff. And I've walked all the way around it. I don't have a clue what it said. But nevertheless, except for Isaiah, except for according to the translators, there's only a few hundred. There's only a few words that differ from your King James Bible, and those words have no doctrinal impact. They're basically. Uh, just little words like it in that kind of thing. and, and they're just scribal mistakes, probably, but the, the, the text is is solid. But in Qumran, cave number seven, 7 um, Q5, if you want to look it up, uh, is a gospel of Mark. chapter six is chapter 6, 52 to, and 53. and in Q, and in, also in cave number seven is Q10. Which is Second Peter, one fifteen. How far back does that date? They... Qumran. Uh, well, the Second Peter text specifically, but well, Qumran dates back to the time of Christ. Wow. Yeah, those are old documents. Those are old documents. So, at any rate, the the point is, Peter is saying, "I put this down in writing for you. I put this down in writing so it can be a constant reminder. Don't neglect it. Be diligent." As Peter was diligent in teaching it, be diligent in learning it. That's, that's, that's the idea here. Uh, that's what Peter is wanting us to understand. He's wanting us to understand this. Look, you're saved by the grace of God. It was all Him. He did it. He initiated it all. He called you. He called you into His salvation. And the Holy Spirit is working in you these virtues to make you more and more His. Don't neglect them. Don't, don't fall asleep. Don't become blind or nearsighted and neglect them and then wander about, uh, as some do. He says, but be diligent, stick to it, because in sticking to it, that's how you know you're secure. That's how the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Obviously, if you're in sin and walking away from the Lord, even if you are actually saved, you're not going to feel saved. But that's not the issue. Peter says, "Be be sure of it. Know where you are, know whose you are, and be faithful to the one who called you." That's what he's calling us to here. He's, that's what he's saying to us here. He said, be, he, he, "He he saw his life as a diligent labor, so that you could grow." In the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's that's the point here. That's the point he is he's talking about. Uh, and I wrote it all down for you. He said, so that you can keep studying it, keep digging, keep knowing more. Any comments or questions this morning? I've run out of throat. <laughs> my uh, my. Uh, liquid amber tree is killing me I think he, there's this yellow pollen all over my backyard anyway let's, uh, let's close we're, gonna, we're a little early today so you should be able to find a seat See, that's, uh, Lord God we thank you this morning as we have come to this text we thank you for the Apostle Peter we thank you for we thank you for his diligence in instructing us in your word instructing us in our salvation and in knowing our Lord Jesus Christ all the better. And Father, we, we would ask that, that would be, that would be our task, to have the full knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, to know Him as much as we can, and to study, study, and study, to be diligent, <coughs> to repeat it, to repeat it, to repeat it. And we would thank You, and we would praise You, and we would ask your blessing as we go into our morning service. We ask your blessing on our pastor, on, the, on all the musicians and singer, singers. We thank you for our staff and for our elders. And Father, we just ask that we would be found faithful in the task you have called us to, that we might glorify the name of our Lord Jesus, who saved us and bought us by his blood. And we thank you in his name. Amen.